Welcome to Film Grain, the official podcast of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania and the Greater Erie Film Office. My name is Stuart Nash. I'm a filmmaker, educator, and the director of the Greater Erie Film Office. My name is Megan Shoffrey. I'm a filmmaker and a film student at Edinburgh University. I'm John Lyons, filmmaker, teaching artist, and the executive director of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania. Our Film Grain Dinner in a Movie series, which is at the Bourbon Barrel on State Street, returns with Stan and Ollie. Special introduction by Brian Sheraton, and this week's movie is sponsored by Russell C. Schmidt and Sons Funeral Home Incorporated. Our guest this week, Rob Frank, photographer, filmmaker, and owner of R. Frank Photography. And this week's roundtable discussion, Gearing Up, the production equipment situation in Western Pennsylvania. We want to take a moment to thank Edinburgh University's Center for Branding and Strategic Communication for helping in the creation and production of this podcast. This is our eighth episode, and thanks to the resources available through Northwest Pennsylvania Innovation Beehive Network and the positive feedback we've been receiving from you, our wonderful listeners, we are happy to announce we will be continuing the Film Grain podcast three episodes per month starting in May 2019. Yay! So stay tuned. If you've never been to a Film Grain Dinner and a Movie event in downtown Erie, Pennsylvania at the Bourbon Barrel, we'd love to see you there. We've got a big 16-foot screen buffet with vegetarian options, gluten-free on request. So we've got couch and table service all night long, and it's at the Bourbon Barrel, 1213 State Street, downtown Erie, Pennsylvania. This week, May 1st, we've got Stan and Ollie starring Steve Coogan as Stan, or Laurel, and John C. Riley as Hardy, or Ollie. Introduction as Stu said up front is by Brian Sheridan. The film focuses on details of this famous comedic duo's personal relationship while relating how they embarked on a grueling music hall tour of the UK and Ireland during 1953 and their struggles to get another film made, which was a comedic adaptation of Robin Hood. This is your last call to get summer passes. Summer passes get you admission into all of our summer films, May through August. It's $100 for a table seat, $150 for a couch seat. These are transferable if you're unable to attend any of our screenings. It's a savings of over 50 bucks. Or you can reserve individual table seats and couch seats. All of this through our website, filmsocietynwpa.org. Just click events. Hope to see you there. So today we have Rob Frank with us from R. Frank Photography. How are you doing, Rob? I'm good. How are you? Good. So give us a little bit of background about yourself. Background? A straight open-ended question <laughs> right, from, right from the get. Tell open. us about you. When were you born? I was born in 1983. Um, I started R. Frank Photography in 2006 after I graduated uh, from college. What did you go to college for? I went for communications and media studies. And where did you go? I went to Penn State Barrett. Yeah, graduated in 2006. In 2006, as you guys probably might remember, I don't know, the job market wasn't great. You know, it was kind of, it was a weird time, and uh, I started working full-time at a bar. You know, I was a bar back and a server and a door person and a dishwasher and always wanted to start my own business. And um, somebody said, well, why don't you just do that? So I spent a winter thinking about it, and um, next summer I did it. Just, I saved my money for six months. I bought my first camera that I owned. I owned one in college, but it was a pretty entry-level deal. 
What camera was that? It was a Nikon D70, an entry-level DSLR. And that winter, or that start of that summer, I bought a Nikon D200, which is a really nice full frame at the time. Bought a couple lenses, equipment I needed, studied, read books, um, looked at what other people were doing, followed a ton of photographers on social media, and uh, 12 years later, it's a little bit of a different landscape for us in a really good way. And was the plan always to kind of stick to photography, or did you know you wanted to get into video too? You know, the, the bar job lasted for a long time. I was there until 2012, um, but not full-time. I was full-time until 2009. Um, but I got a job at a TV station at um, WSEE in 2008. I was a news photographer, so I was out on the street with a reporter, without a reporter, um, capturing Vosots, VOs, Nat Sound, Man on the Street running back, putting it together on the fly, getting it up on the news. That life is really fun. It's, it's really exciting. I mean, every single day is different in that world. And, I, and I, I guess I could say the same thing about my career now. It's every day is a little different. You know, every day you're going to a different place, you're talking to a different person, you're interacting with a different, different group. And I like that pace. Um, I think if I had to come into a place nine to five and do the same job every day. I, I, I don't think I could do that. I just don't think it's my in my wheelhouse. And, you know, for some people, structure is great. For me, chaos is where I live. I think you'd be I bouncing li- off the walls. I would. I would. <laughs> I remember I, I worked a summer as a cashier at a Sears in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the longest summer of my life. It just was so hard to stand in front of a register and not be, in my eyes, productive. It was. I remember that being one of the toughest jobs I ever had because it was just – I couldn't move from this space for eight straight hours, and it, w- it was, like, maddening to me. For this interview, would you like to be standing instead of on that chair? Do no, I'm good on the chair. <laughs> I'm good on the chair, although I do try to stand a lot. So how long now have you been in the photography slash film business? Uh, 13 years. 13 years officially. Um, you know, it's, the business became a business in 2006. You know, the year that I realized that, wow, this could be a full-time thing was probably 2009, 2010. That was really that year that I think every business owner, they have that year where they, they look at their year and they're kind of like, whoa, this, this is a real thing here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went full-time freelance just my company in um, 2014. And what kind of jobs did you start out doing? It was uh, weddings and portraits, and it was predominantly weddings to start, and I fell into a couple corporate clients. You know, things just kind of went from there. Um, I put a lot of credit to the bar I worked at, which is kind of funny, uh, a lot of credit to Plymouth Tavern and to Barb Haggerty. The Plymouth. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, met a lot of people there. You know, you just people were in and out of there. There were, there were lawyers, there were doctors, there were workers. You know, you just met so many people, especially when you're working behind a bar. Yeah. Which helped, I assume, some I of think that so. early networking? I think so. Early networking, yeah. I mean, it's it's essentially every single work day was a network day. Um, and I don't have a problem talking to people. And most of the time when you're working behind a bar, people talk to you about anything. Anything and everything that's on their minds. I, I make a joke quite often that being a photographer is 5% being a photographer and 95% a therapist. And I really think that's true. You know, like so you're always kind of managing people's emotions and expectations, especially if you're doing weddings or portraits. That's part of the job. You have to manage a schedule and you have to manage people and interactions of people. And I feel like the bar is the same thing. Whether you're a server or you're a bartender, 5% of that job is doing the job and the other 95% is interacting with that customer every day. Yeah. And people tend to trust you. And look at you as a confidant, even though they barely know who you are. They might even not even know your last name, but they'll tell you their life story when they're sitting there. So when did you make the jump to videos? Were you a f- wedding photographer and then people wanted wedding videos to go with those? No, no, um, which is ironic because a lot of people do that. Um, I, I was working full-time at a TV station doing um, 
I was a news photographer, and, and as you remember, DSLRs didn't always have video ability in them. There was a time when they were DSLRs didn't shoot video. Sure. They were just photography, and that's kind of the ones I had, and Canon sort of paved the way with the 5D Mark II, I think was their first one that was like, whoa, this, this thing can shoot some great video. So in, um, in 2011, another local photographer, a friend of mine, Matt Kleck, had a 5D Mark II, and I used it to shoot a few projects, and it was like mind-blowing what could be done what it looked like yeah so um nikon released the d4 a few months later and i bought it and that's when i jumped into doing video on my own um separate from the video i was doing in the tv station all the time so what did you shoot on your own um yeah, what are your clients what kind of projects uh the first big one was scott enterprises and still is scott enterprises so um i did a new hire video for them um, which was a four and a half minute uh, intro video about the company itself. So when somebody gets hired, um, they sit the new hire down or the group of new hires down and they play the video and it had uh, each of the members of the family talking about the various divisions of the family, um, Splash Lagoon. How long ago Beacon was that? Band. That was in 2013. Because that client's blown up for you, hasn't it? Yes, it has. Yeah. Um, it's a very, very big client. They're great to work with. Um, they're a great family. They love this town. And they do a lot for this town. Sure, sure, sure. So what else are you doing? What are future plans for our Frank? Well, um, this year, actually, uh, just last week, I offered a full-time position to oh. my first full-time employee. I've always been in the contractor world, you know, um, 1099 contracting day in, day out. Um, and last year, when I looked at you know, what we paid contractors over the course of the year and the scope of the work and how many hours I've been working, I realized that um, with two kids at home, it's uh, it's tough to, you know, spend 65 hours a week, but I was doing that sometimes. So... Um, Who'd be stupid enough to work for you? Well, <laughs> she's sitting in the room and she hasn't said anything yet. Um, I met Megan to my left here uh, uh, the first time I met Megan was on a documentary that Stuart and I did, The Spinoza Project. And um, we needed a behind-the-scenes photographer and a stills photographer to document both the, the what we were doing but also um, get stills for the production itself for, for promotion. And uh, that was the first time I met Megan, and um, she's a really impressive worker. So Thanks. I would tend to agree with you. Yeah. We're a tight-knit little group here, here up in the Northwestern PA area, and we all know each other and work with each other, it seems. So uh, it's not like we're just patting each other on the back here. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I'm going to speak about you, Megan, and you can speak say. about yourself too, but, um, <laughs> you know, you're a self-starter, and I, I'm, I'm sure you know that about yourself, or maybe you don't, I don't know, but um, you're a self-starter, and one of the things I noticed, especially on Spinoza, Yeah, that was is, a good project. You know, we're... We, we did a lot in Spinoza in four days. We got a lot done in a very short period of time. And there would be times where I'd turn around or Stuart would turn around and say, hey, Megan, let's get this. And she would say, I already have it. She would see things that we would see. And then we'd turn around. It was already done. She was on to the next. Uh, and then I got, to, I got to take a peek at all the behind-the-scenes photos because we ended up dumping them to my laptop and editing them on site. So I got to peek at her work. You know, and I was kind of scrolling through, and it just was really cool that Megan was able to capture our subject, Gary, but also our uh, our producer, director, the guy who hired us, um, James James Gossard, down in Silver Spring, um, and also the crew and what we were working on. And, you know, then there'd be photos of us setting things up, and we didn't even know they were being taken. So she was really good about navigating in, taking photos without anybody knowing and getting out. And we had all this media of our work. And you know, you don't really realize when you're in the thick of any job, and especially a production job, I don't think you realize how much you do 
in a single day? Like if you ever sat down and went line by line of everything you did and then suddenly you take up four pages, we didn't realize how much we did, how many unique setups we did. I mean, I, I specifically remember one at Gary's house, there was a uh, monitor on the ground outside and he has a separate garage from his house. And he walked from an the old house. computer monitor yeah. that's just sitting there growing plants out of it. Let's, <laughs> it really let's stress that again. This was like a piece of artwork that's in the yard now. Right, right. So, um, you know, because Gary's whole house is art. You know, there's art everywhere, everywhere you find it. Um, Stuart and I were looking at this monitor. I was like, I'd love to get that monitor in the shot somehow. And Stuart said, what if we put a 10-foot slider on the ground and we kind of tilt up and we start, we have him walk from the house to the garage and we go with him. And as we come over to the garage, we spin, and the computer monitor will be down there. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we, we start setting it up, and James Gossard comes over, and he's like, are you guys getting that computer monitor in the shot? And I remember thinking, like, oh, boy, you know, like, we're, he doesn't want this. He's like, I've been trying to figure out how to get that computer monitor nice. in the shot for the last two days. <laughs> so Stu and I set up this, you know, 10-foot slider. We, we actually uh, bolted a bunch of 5-foot sections together. Um, we used baby pins. We stuck them into the ground to level everything. We wedged everything, and we did the slide probably three or four times, and it was it was a killer shot. It was a great shot. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't. the edited version. I know. <laughs> it's been some long post, but right. uh, I'm sure it's going to be good when it comes out. Yeah, yeah. What, it, can you, what is this project again? And where can people find out information about it? It's called the Spinoza Project. Um, you know, it's James It's James Gossard's baby, so I don't want to speak too much on it, but I know he's in post right now. Okay. Um, Goshawk Productions. Yep. Okay. Yep, he's based out of Spino Silver Spring Yeah. Yeah, they have a website for the project. So I hired Megan. I met her in Spinoza, and then I started hiring her for jobs periodically as a first AC, as a photographer, as an assistant, uh, as a second photographer. And I, I noticed that... Uh, Megan is very diversified, uh, self-starter diversified, and she really knows both both worlds, photo and video. Um, and I don't think that's something that everybody can just pick up. For sure, yeah. And the other thing that impressed me a lot was we were on a shoot for uh, we were on a shoot for the Manufacturers and Business Association, and I sort of stepped back and let her interact with the client, and I and I watched the way that she talked with the client, and she's really good at client relations, and that's uh, that's a powerful skill to have, and not many people have it. Yeah. Um, so you know, as as time went on, I'm thinking about hiring a full time employee, and I'm going down the list, and I'm you know I, we we know all these freelancers, and some people have other gigs, and some people just want a gig, and um, I knew Megan was graduating, so I made the suggestion about three weeks ago, and. She said yes. So that's exciting, you know. It's, it's very exciting. exciting. Yeah, it's a big step for your business and it's great to uh, you know, help with our brain drain that we've been talking about here keeping yeah. talent. Yeah. Here. Stuart and I face that a lot. We um we hire we hire PAs and we hire first ACs and we hire grips and we we get we and we we hire a lot of college students. Right now, our team is basically college students that we've trained. Yeah. But we know they're leaving, right? And it's like, how do we keep them here? Yeah. You know, how do we develop enough gigs across this entire region that they stay here? Absolutely. And we're basically training them, like, how we how we work and what we have. And um, it's great. But then, you know, like Jesus Munoz, is, I know he's he's been on the show before. Yeah, right? he was our first. Well, he's our first. Pilot yeah. episode. Pilot episode. <laughs> That's right. You know, Jesus has plans, and, and good for him. Yeah. But it's also, you know, at the same time, it's tough to train somebody for a year and a half and then send them off when yeah. you really need them here. Well, hopefully we will bring Jesus back uh, a lot for work. Well, that's, that's the plan. That's the we goal. Will. Yeah. We'll make him. 
That's right. <laughs> we'll tell him he has to. Force him with money. He won't. He won't say no. So you did a little bit of feature work too this last year. I did. I think you got bit by the bug, so to speak. Tell me about your little bit of uh, your summer experience as a second camera operator. Surprising summer experience. Yeah, yeah. surprising summer experience. <laughs> uh, some equipment was rented from Gear that I'm a manager of um, by John Lyons right across the table from me. And what is Gear again? Uh, Gear's the Greater Erie Arts Rental that I'm the manager of. So, so we rented some equipment from you. You rented some equipment to shoot your feature mm -hmm. and. Um, it was about 10 days later, I got a phone call from Mark Blucas. I just got off a uh, photo shoot for the Manufacturers and Business Association. And uh, my phone rings, a number I don't know, so I answer it. And he's, Rob, it's Mark Blucas. And uh, <laughs> the first time I met Mark Blucas was at a Varsity Cup event for the Erie Times News a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, he ended up speaking to these kids about being an athlete in high school, which he was. Um, really inspiring guy. First time I ever met him. So you know, I'm like, wow, Mark Lucas is calling me. You know, <laughs> this guy's like a famous actor. You know, he's been in, he's been in a ton of movies. Yeah. You know, he's been on TV. I remember seeing him in um, Day and Night, that Cameron Diaz and oh, Tom Cruise yeah. movie, which mm -hmm. is a great movie that yeah. a lot of people have never seen. Yeah, but I enjoyed it. I love it. I thought mm -hmm. it was great. You know, it's it's a spy movie, but it yeah. still was fun. And he said, hey, we uh, we really need a second cam. Yeah. Um, for some of these action sequences. We thought we would single cam it, but we don't think it's a good idea. So I uh, came down. I remember when he came down. One day yeah. turned into yeah. one day turned into 11, Yep. Um, which was fine. You know, it was a lot of fun. Which I, really saved saved our asses. You saved our asses. Well, you know. Yeah. I, it's okay. Yeah, do you think we could have finished the film? So humble. Content? It would have been a, a much different experience. Uh, well, he said it. I mean, experience. <laughs> for sure, in a challenging, now that we're in post, it would have been a major challenging edit to not have all of your work in there. Yeah. Well, I, I think the big thing, too, in, in any feature, and, and like, well, I don't know how much I can reveal about him, Mary. You can, you can reveal. Okay, all sure. right. I didn't know how much you wanted me to. <laughs> um, you know, when we were down at when we were down at uh, Crawford what? County Fair. Yeah. Not oh, yeah. having two at Crawford last, County Fair. Our last day of yeah. shooting. Not yeah. having two at Crawford County Fair would have been such a disservice to you, I think. Yeah, for because sure. Because they were just just the the way capturing that energy of the right, crowd. So right. we filmed it at the demolition derby during the Crawford County Fair. We had the whole cast there, most of the cast there. And a lot of extras, like four or five thousand extras. Yeah, not having the coverage and the time just to capture all. Like you were down on on the ground getting the cars smashing and beautiful slow mo and crowd reactions, and then just everything that's written in the little scene there. Yeah, and, yeah. and as you know, when you're filming anything. If you've got a crowd of people, you can't stop the demolition derby and ask <laughs> them to do it again. Yeah. You know, so. Back to position back one, in, please. Yeah. You just Move go backwards. We did you know? that fender out. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. you know, having two angles on that, I'm sure, is super helpful. And then, yeah. you know, even the, the the biggest thing in my eyes is some of those dialogue scenes, right? I mean, the yeah. tension. Um, there's one scene I particularly remember with dust in a room, and I'm not going to say much oh, more than uh -huh. that, but you know what, what I'm talking yeah. about, right? And I remember the angle I had, and I kind of, I swung into the shot, um, into the daughter, so mm -hmm. she was sitting on this couch, and I just remember the shot, and as I was watching it, as I was watching it down my viewfinder, I'm like, man, I, this, yeah. I don't know what that other angle looks like right now, but I think it's probably just as powerful as mine, Yeah. and that whole scene there, there's the tension, and it was really cool. Yeah. Oh man, well it was it was awesome having you there and I'm glad that you accepted. 
<laughs> for sure. Yeah, did you have to cancel any jobs in the last nine, 11 days? Um, yeah. <laughs> You're pretty busy. Yes and no. Um, I had... I, I had to flex a bunch of things, but I also, we were working 3P to 3A a lot. We were doing, you know, daytime to nighttime stuff. So I was actually um, teaching in the morning, and then I would shoot what I needed to shoot. I think I had a couple days where it was a 22-hour day. Man. And I remember that. I remember that Friday. I was supposed to be down on set at 3, and I called John. I called, I called you mm-hmm. at 10, and I said, John, I need to go to bed. I'll be down at set at 6. <laughs> So can you not have me for three hours? And you're like, that's fine. I'm like, good. And I, I went to bed at 1030 and I woke up at 530. Yeah. I mean, and I, I woke up so confused. I didn't know what day or time it was. You know, like, yeah. you, you ever take like a midday nap and you sleep way longer than you expect? Like, Whoa. Is it 7 a.m. or 7 p.m.? Dark out. What yeah. time is it? You know, like, where, what's yeah. going on, you know? But um, there was a couple days there yeah. where it was pretty, pretty jammed schedule. So getting to like what Stu said, so you've, you've done primarily weddings and commercial work and I mean you know is this always once you got involved in Greater Erie Arts Rental and everything else you do was it always kind of your dream to expand the business and get more involved in you know documentary and narrative and and things like that so that documentary narrative thing I feel like that's uh that's part of that news in me telling stories I mean that's what we do right that's what that's what you do when you're with a reporter. You tell a story. You tell someone's story yeah. for them. They can't tell the story themselves. Then the documentary narrative thing to me is so powerful. There's so many stories out there. I'm working on I'm working on a documentary right uh-huh. now uh-huh. about a gentleman in Erie that is uh, is involved in a circuit of work that is very unique and he's very high up. He's won some national competitions. You know, we shot the preliminary interview with him and some B-roll, you know, we're not anywhere close to it forming into anything, but I kind of want to be about his his duality of life. You know, he's married with three kids and takes the kids to preschool, and then he's got this competition thing that he does too, and he works, So he's and he's also a swim coach. So he does, you know, these four things, and they're so opposite of each other. Nice. And he somehow juggles them all up in the air all the time. A story you can relate to. Well, yeah, kind of, right? <laughs> and maybe that's it, right? And And I've known him for 15 years, and... He started in the bar industry as a bar back, just mm-hmm. like me. We both were we were not at the same bar, but we were friends. You know, that service industry, everybody knows each other. Um, and I met him then, and he had this dream, and he's making that dream a reality. Would you say your experience in the news world has given you uh, maybe, say, an edge as being a better director of photography? Um, I would say, yeah. Uh, because Why is that? I think that news... News requires you to walk into a place you've never been before and, one, get someone to trust you, right? You're telling someone's story, but they've never met you before. So you've got to get them to, to tell you the real story in a minute, in, in just a second. You have to get them to relate to you and talk to you. And then you have to document that space, and you may only have 30 minutes to do it. So you kind of have to see. You have to see the story you're going to tell, and, and after you do that interview, you have to shoot what they talked about. So you have to pay attention to the interview and, and think like that section right there is what I need to use, but I need to have that visually as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's super challenging, you know, sometimes it, especially when it's a story of something past and there is nothing, you know, so that can be really challenging too. I, I think it, I think it helps. I think it helps you formulate a story in your head faster. Could you imagine having a two camera setup for news? <laughs> you know what? I actually did a two camera setup for news once. And I was told that I couldn't do it again. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a waste of time, sir. 
we had it's not um, appropriate. But just think if you could manage all of the time that it would takes to do like a feature uh, versus the time that it takes to pump out a half hour news show. You know, I mean, all the energy that's spent to get that minute thirty package, and then if you could equally put in the amount of creativity and research and pre-production into your feature. I think it. I'm, what I guess I know the answer to this is. I just wanted to get your opinion on it, really, because I know personally, my take on being a photojournalist has made you know making features and documentaries ten times easier because you know what you want, your framing and what have you. You get in, you get out. Right. But when you do plan these things out, now you have a whole week. So right. there's a lot more time involved, so right. you can actually get more creative. Thirty minutes becomes thirty hours, and right. that and that really can help a lot. Yeah, especially if you're not under that time constraint. But it's also pretty amazing what you can produce in eight, in in an eight hour block, and that's what you're doing when you're working in that news world. You're producing in an eight hour block, and then it's over. Right, it starts all over again. Yeah, you know, and it and maybe one of the reasons I strive that I that I was so good in it and liked it so much was because that's how the bar works, right? You come into work. You work your eight hours, and then everything that happened that day never carries over to the next day, ever. You know, nothing. I mean, you could be mad at somebody. You could disagree. You could get slammed, and you're behind, and this person isn't pulling their weight and whatever, and it's all over at the end of the day because tomorrow's a brand-new day with brand-new patrons and new clients, and you're starting at zero again. So gearing up, talking about not just northwestern Pennsylvania, but also some of the problems we ran into in western Pennsylvania period with the production of Unearth and other projects where we had to really hunt to find, for example, a grip truck. Stu, probably you and Meg can uh, comment to the challenges there. We can start off with Greater Erie Arts Rental, I think, because... Um, They've been around for a little bit and are such an amazing resource in our area. And every filmmaker in this region or coming to this region needs them on their radar. Can you tell us a little bit about Greater Erie Arts Rental, what you offer, where sure. where it's located, stuff like that? Um, what do you do for Greater Erie Arts Rental? So I'm the manager of Greater Erie Arts Rental, um, and my primary job is... Uh, getting the equipment in and out of the building, uh, checking in and out, making sure that it's coming back the way it was sent out, uh, maintaining uh, firmware updates, and just making sure that everything's running the way it should be. Um, we have a room full of equipment. We have two Red Dragon 6Ks. Nice. Um, we have two REM18s. We have two RELC7s. Those are some really high-end production yeah. lights. Um, we've got an MYT Works dolly slider, five-foot rails, ten-foot rails. If you don't want to get into the red level quite yet for your project, what other cameras do you have? We offer? have um, Blackmagic production cams as well. And those shoot at 4K? Yes, they do. Great. Yep, we do. And we have, um, we have a Cook lens system for the red, which um, is really yeah. high-end and, yeah. and pretty, pretty industry standard for, um, you know, a lot of people shoot on Cook. Yeah. There's What's others. the series of the Cooks? Um, they are the Cook Series S4, S4i. 
Um, nice. And uh, I want to say it's 1832, 5085, 105, 135 is the, yeah. the six. It's a six lens set, match set. So um, that's pretty big for people too, especially if they're doing a two camera. You know, that matched lens set is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. So right here in uh, northwestern Pennsylvania, and your guys' prices, I mean, we won't get into like advertising level here, but. Um, Definitely prices go. Prices are awesome. It's yeah, made, prices it's made are to be awesome. Prices. It's made to be competitive. <laughs> Deals. Come on now. Especially if you're a Sunday, student. Sunday, Sunday. Sorry, I feel like in I had, Erie. You had to be in there. No, but they really are. I mean, the deals are unbelievable. That was yeah. that was the intention all along. Um, and this wasn't my brainchild by any means. I I um, I was hired in this position by Sharon Dale, and um, she was one of the starters of the project. Props to Sharon Dale, yeah. As well as several others and uh, an investor, and, and I don't want to go too much into that world of it because right. I just don't really know it as much. We might bring Sharon on. I yeah, think that'd be a good idea. Sharon would be a yeah. great. It just would be great. Uh, Mike Berlin, Joe Bookman, too, they helped out on yeah, that. Yeah, for so. sure. Yeah. Yeah, Mike Berlin, Joe, Joe Bookman. There was somebody else, too, I think. Well, the Film Society was involved a lot. Stu was Initially, involved. Initially, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we could tell that whole story. But the pricing, we'll you know, as you said, John, the pricing is, uh, the pricing is incredible. I yeah. Mean, if you if you were to take a cart from there, and go on a major rental site and put that same cart, I think you'd be floored at the difference in price. Yes. And it's here, you know. Yeah. People need here. to utilize right this. And we have a new website coming. Oh, cool. Very very soon. What is the web address? Uh, it's greatererieartsrental.org. Great. And uh, the new website, I'm hoping, will be live in the next month. We're just taking care of some logistics with um, – there's two payment systems, and one needs to talk to the other so yeah. that when people, you know, they go around right online and charge right to their card. Um, we just need to make sure that everything is sending it where it's supposed to. Of course. So um, it's minor detail. The site's built. The new site is great. Um, it's it's cool. like any shopping site. Add to your cart. Choose your dates. It'll tell you what's available, and then it spits out a list to me. I go up to the building. I put it all on a flat cart. You're picking up at 1130. You pull in. I roll the cart out. You load it in. You leave. Yeah. So. Well, talking about lo- what to yeah, load it into. Say load it into. <laughs> yeah. So on Unearth, Stu, uh, uh, so you were on our G&E team. Correct. What were some challenges you found once you rent equipment? Uh, where were we at like a couple years ago? So Grip Trek was an issue on the Unearth uh, shoot. Um, Jason McCann, who was Key Grip, myself, Best Boy, and Mike Berlin, who was our lead gaffer, uh, we ended up having to go down to Pittsburgh. Um, we took we rented a lot of gear from Greater Erie Arts Rental, but we had to get our bulk, our one-ton, two-ton package of G&E equipment from Pittsburgh. So when we got down there, we ended up going through Cinelease. And Cinelease doesn't offer trucks. And a lot of people don't. It, it's tough in Pittsburgh, right? Right, we to found... get an actual gear with four wheels. Yeah. Um, and if they do offer that option, then usually you have to take one of their operators with you. Or there's a perhaps a Teamster that has to go because he has to drive the car or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, not very independent film friendly, but, you know, that's how the business works. Uh, so... You know, we were able through our means and through our uh, production manager, uh, Megan, who's also sitting here. Um, we had to figure it out in a very short, stressful <laughs> amount you. of time. You guys, uh, so for any filmmaker listening, it's a problem when you have all this equipment and nowhere to put this equipment. 
and you're using it every day for three weeks or whatever it and is. You also have 20 different locations for your feature yeah. because you have 20 different locations. And you need right? to move it around. So Stu, sorry, I, I'm jumping no, in here, fine. but I want to make it clear that this is a big problem. And even Pittsburgh couldn't really solve this problem for us. Right. And luckily we had Jason McCann with us because yes. we went out and rented a, I want to say it was a 20 foot truck and basically outfitted the entire interior of it by moving in everything we needed. The toolboxes, which are basically like these six by four foot toolboxes and a whole complete uh, grid system. But we managed to fit a three ton package into a one ton truck. <laughs> and, you know, it was a learning experience. But um, had we had, say, a bigger budget um, or what have you, of course, you just go out and get whatever you want. But it was it was a, it was interesting to figure out on our own how to get this done. Yeah. And luckily, we had a lot of experience, like I said, with Jason. Uh, so he knew how to do it immediately. Um, yeah, another. You have to build like. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No. Go. And go. You have to build like with wooden pallets and stuff. Oh, we had. So that's what I'm saying. When we, when we place, said so. we outfitted the interior of the truck, I wish we could. You have started some with there. a shell. It was a shell, yes. and we literally easy loaded track in. on the left and right, and that's great. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and we took a. I want to say it was like a ten by fifteen foot rack system, and bolted it into the side of the wall, which then we threw all of our little expendables and our gear and our lights and our header cart and our camera stands and everything that we need to do and you just shoved it in there. Well, we didn't shove it in there, but very systematic. Uh, it was like Tetris. Yes, though. it was. From, some, from an outside perspective, looking at what you guys... It just boggles my mind. And this I, is definitely I, another save our ass moment. I call, sure. that, I call that the worst Tetris game you've ever played. And I, I say that at least every time I do a live stream anywhere, it the, all of the gear takes up basically the entire interior of my Jeep with both the back seats put down. And as I'm stacking things in, they all go in a certain way. And, and you know, these PAs and these grips will look at us and, what are you doing? I'm like, it's the worst Tetris game you've ever played. And then I just keep well, stacking Well, and then when somebody else doesn't in. do it the exact same way you want it done every single time, then it becomes chaos. Right. Which then you get to start yelling at people. That's fun. <laughs> Especially on set. <laughs> so after Unearth, we we had this problem that um, we knew we needed to to solve, right? Yeah, yeah. There's I don't even think there's one grip truck in town. Was in town. Yeah, exactly. So uh, leading leading you on here. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah, it was an issue. So I I proposed the question to Rob Frank. <laughs> Is there going to be a grip truck in town anytime I, soon? I like how you use the word proposed. That's cute. Yeah. That's great. You proposed. And? So Stu and I got this job, the Spinoza job. And um, the one thing Gear does have is it has a really nice camera cart. Yes. You know, two-platform camera cart. So the first part of the Spinoza job was in May. May? April. No, May first, no, second, second was second yeah, unit no, no. was. Second, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. There, you got, you were on third, third unit. I never right. You were on third unit. Yeah. Second unit was in May, and it, it was just in. It was his art installation that was in the Erie Art Museum. So we were in an enclosed one location, one day, and um, you know we pitched at James what we could do and the equipment that we had, and he said okay, and we went and shot it for one day, and then he called us back and said. I love what we got. I want to film Gary at his house for four days. And I want to film Gary all over Crawford County. I'm sorry, Venango County. Um, I have, there was what, nine locations? 
There was a lot. Nine, yeah. probably. We realized that the first question in both of our minds was, we don't have the ability, like we can we can roll into the Erie Art Museum and spend an all day shooting, no problem, and we can carry these cases down one at a time and set mm-hmm. them up. But how do we transport around Venango County and set up quickly and be efficient? So um, it's been a it's been an evolution of <laughs> of carrying things. Because first you got a trailer, right? So I bought a six by twelve enclosed trailer. Yeah, outgrew it within a month. Yeah, well, and you know, I outfit. I the first thing I did is I put one of those racks in. You know, those four shelf racks you yeah. can buy at Home Depot and Lowe's. I bolted that right into the sidewall. I'm like, okay, we have shelves. That's where we start. And then I just started building stuff. You know, and um, my my dad always used to say, why why buy something when you can build it? And I spent a lot of hours in my garage measuring because six by twelve is not a lot of space, but um, we have a lot of equipment in a six by twelve trailer hmm. legally. It reminds me of the unearthed trailer. Kind of. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot. It's a tight spot, but yeah. I mean, it, it works. It's great. And I had never built a grip truck before. Yeah. So I knew the equipment we were going to buy. Have but you used I, to? Only that first time yeah. with, with Jason, well, really. I but mean, the thing I've, is, I've used and, them a lot, yeah. but I never built one. And yeah. this is a credit to both <laughs> Stu's experience of being in one and Jason's experience of uh, of the industry knowledge. So I started saying to Jason and Stu, I said, hey, where do we want to put these floppy cutters? Where do the gels go? Like, what do I build? And um, I remember um, Jason said to me, well, the floppy cutters need to be accessible from the back end. Like, what so are could, floppy cutters? So they're the big 4 by 4 flags that rip open to four by 96 and you use them to flag light. Yeah. Well, you use them for a lot of things. I mean, they're, they're used on set for, they're Easy used on access. set for light control. They're used on set for shading. So you can see a monitor. They're used on, they're used on set for yeah. a ton of things. And, um, Jason said, you got to be able to just yank those right off the truck and go the faster they can come off the truck, the better. Cause you're not going to carry them with you onto set, but you're going to go back to the truck. So I built a four by four out of three quarter inch plywood encased, um, really Box. nice too a little and stain on that would make it really pop well you know <laughs> i built it on the fly so you know it looked good though um and I, I just designed it so that you could slide them right in and just pull them right out nice. we have knife blades in there we have floppy cutters in there and then on the compartment on the other side um we had all these gels and you know it's kind of weird to carry around a cardboard case of gels nothing's organized mm-hmm. You know, if someone says, get me a quarter straw, you know, you're sitting there flipping through trying to find your quarter straw and you're wasting time. So um, I spent a freezing cold evening in my garage and um, the the cabinet had a center divider. So I measured the inside of the center divider and I built a cart that slid into that space. And I used a hole saw and I drilled holes down through it. You know, I built a cart and I put a, a racking system in it. Mm-hmm. and. Now everything is organized. We have diffusion, then we have neutral density, then we have straw, then we right. have CTO, CTB, and they, they're all in the line. There's three wide, so it's, it's a quarter half full, quarter half full all the way down. So we have nine different types of, um, well, eight different types of gel yeah. types, and then we have uh, three strengths of each gel type. And then I made it a roller cart, and it slides right in, and you can pull the whole cart out and lay it down on the wheels and roll it right on nice. the set. So easy, quick access, yes. Keep, yes. keep you moving. Keeps yep. the clients happy. Yep. Yes. But you're outgrowing that. So what are you thinking? What's the next move? Well, I've been looking because at Because bo- keep in mind, too, not to cut you off here, we're talking about all the grip and electric stuff. We're talking about all your lights, which by now you've probably got at least 10 different styles of lights. Yeah. You're talking about at least maybe three cameras if you're talking a full outfit. Yep. Tripods, lights, mm-hmm. audio, mm-hmm. generator. Yep. Uh, so can people rent this trailer before we move on to the next? They can yeah. rent this trailer. Okay. Yep. They can rent the trailer. 
And this um, is R. Frank Photography. Mm-hmm. Okay. You can rent the trailer. Um, that was a you know a little bit of a hurdle to go through with uh, um, with insurance, but the insurance actually said that they could actually hook the trailer and take it. They don't have to right. have me deliver it. That's great. Um, but it's it's a movie in a box. Yeah. You know we can outfit it with everything you could need. Movie in a box. It is. I like that. Coin that one. Like well, actually, you know who movie in a box. You know who coined that was Britney Hills. Britney Hills oh, okay. called it that. Oh really? Because we showed it to Britney. Um, Our second guest. She's uh, Britney's talking about. Uh, feature that she's shooting soon. Yeah, and um, I said, well, you know, we have we have a, a two-camera top-to-bottom setup. Yeah. Everything you need. Um, don't forget drones. <laughs> yeah. He drones also. So uh, everything you need from front to back end for this movie, um, we can do. And she's like, really? So we pulled the trailer in, and her brother and her just kind of stared at mm-hmm. it. Like, wow, this is kind of comprehensive. And that's all we build it. You know, we build it for ourselves. I've reorganized the inside of that thing, I think, seven or eight times. Yeah. I keep, like, cutting things out and putting them in and changing this rack and moving this over here. And a big savior to the build-out was a gentleman named Chris Trott. We have eight combo stands, and they're, you know, 14-foot um, combos, and they stand 65 inches or 55 inches tall. So you can't really just put them on the floor. You can't have them rolling around back there. You don't want them to get damaged. And all of... All Matthew Studio Equipment has a pin out on the side that you hang it on racks. So um, I had this empty sidewall inside the trailer, and I said, mm-hmm. I want to hang them all right here. So I took my trailer down to Chris Trott at Second Chance Restoration and Design, and I said, hey, I want to hang these eight stands side by side, and I want to create a rack that bolts right into the side of the trailer. And Chris said, no problem. And he went over to his plasma cutter, mm-hmm. and you know, we measured it. We drew it out. He punched it into the CAD program and the plasma cutter he had cut. He put it in. He bent it, drilled it into the wall. We hung the stands on it and drove away. And in three hours, we had eight stands hanging on the side of the trailer. Nice. Made it so. And Chris, I mean, I knew what I wanted it to look like, but I didn't measure and draw it out. I told him where I wanted him to be spaced, and he pulled out a tape measure, wrote some things down on a a notepad, ran over to his CAD program, and in two hours, we had a solution. Really is a talented kid, and um, he he builds custom trucks. He works on small engines. He does does so many different things in his shop, and he he bought this old building on 20th Street, and he's been retrofitting the building and growing and adding and adding more services, and he does so many cool things, and... He's, a, he's been a huge help to us. When we were in a pinch, we'd call him up, bring the trailer down. Mm-hmm. If something wasn't working the way we wanted to, we'd you know pick his brain for the engineering of it all. He's a really talented kid. I shouldn't say kid. He's not a kid. He's a really talented person. Well, Rob, thanks for joining us today and being our guest on another episode of Film Grain. So that's been our episode. Remember, you can buy tickets for Stan and Ollie at filmsocietynwpa.org or at the door. Doors open Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. Make sure and follow us on social media. You'll find all the tags and links in the show notes for the episode. Thank you, Rob Frank from R. Frank Photography for joining us and employing Meg. Until next time, this was Film Grain. <laughs>